the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share innovative thoughts and explore deepening truth in support of the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be looking at energy alchemy and the evolution of spirit. As we embrace the rising frequencies of the Aquarian age, one of the limiting factors is that somewhere along the way, we lost our energy awareness. Humans have become hopelessly enamored of and absorbed in The physical aspects of life. That's not to say that physicality is bad or unimportant, for it's the physical that anchors us into this reality. It's simply far from the whole picture. Where would modern science be without the instrumentation that allows us to perceive far beyond the five human senses? We can't see a virus or an atom with the naked eye. We still believe they exist because science tells us they do. Yet, only too often, we deny the existence of more refined energetic or spiritual aspects of life. Everything expresses according to frequency, but we've lost the ability to interact with our energetic aspects, except unconsciously. Without the ability to consciously interact with our personal frequency, we're unable to keep it in balance. We're also prone to misusing it. This has not always been the case. Every society worldwide used to rely on frequency masters to help them maintain health and well-being. Today, we refer to these masters as shaman and have invalidated their skills as superstition and sleight of hand. How ironic that we now find ourselves in desperate need of the very skills shaman have employed for 50 to 60,000 years. With us this hour to explore the mysterious land of energy management is Meg Beeler, author of Weave the Heart of the Universe into Your Life, Aligning with Cosmic Energy. 
Meg is a shamanic guide and spiritual mentor who offers training, guidance, and ceremony for healing soul and spirit, moving energy, and finding luminous presence. She's a lifelong explorer of shamanic, animist, and meditative consciousness, and has studied Andean mysticism extensively. She's the creator of Alchemy, Energy Alchemy and the online Caretaker's Wisdom School. Her website, MegBeeler.com. Meg, thanks so much for joining us on Mission Evolution. Oh, thank you, Wilda. It's wonderful to be here. Where did you study shamanism? Um, I, I began in the Andes, actually, in Peru about 25 years ago. A um, friend of mine connected with... Um, a teacher there and he was bringing him to the to California and I had never met anyone who spoke so directly to my heart so I was not somebody who um, went to teachers a lot because I was a teacher myself but uh, I was really taken with him and quite soon after even though my daughter was very little I found myself in the Andes <laughs> and what what amazed me in the high Andes in the high mountains, you know, 15,000 feet with the Carroll people with whom I've studied most, um, was that there was great joy even when people were malnourished and had essentially, you know, stone huts and made all their own clothes and had no electricity. And that's changed now in the intervening years. But, but they worked with energy all the time and they had a direct relationship with um, the energy in, in everything around them in a way that we don't, as you were mentioning, we have the idea of energy and things, but we don't directly relate to it. So I was just totally fascinated. And then I began using the practices to uh, cope with my life and its various aspects and found uh, just tremendous power in, in moving energy and paying attention to energy. What what all forms have you studied? Um, well, I first studied there. Then I also um, have a, another thread with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, Michael Harner, where I studied what's called core shamanism, uh, which is taken from what's common to all shamanic cultures, and it's taught outside of the cultural framework. So you learn to to journey and work with spirit helpers and power animals and and connect in a you know, visual, energetic, uh, sensory way and at, find answers to questions. So I've combined those two things. It took me a long time to figure out how they fit together, but now they're fairly seamless. Yeah, and, Michael, and then of course Michael, left, been, Michael left quite oh, a legacy. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Um, we lost him. What wasn't it, just last year? I think it was two and a half years ago. Okay, how time flies, time flies. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you strictly adhere to, to the, one, the form you learned and um, uh, Michael Harner's method, or do you vary from it? Um, I adhere to that, and I've integrated my meditative practices and the, the more animus practices of, of uh, the Quechua-speaking people into my personal practice and into what I teach. Would you mind defining animist for us? Well, um, shamanic, as you mentioned, is is finding harmony in everything and bringing things into balance. And it involves working with um, usually either traveling outside of the body or uh, in some way traveling and, and working with spirit guides. Animist is much more grounded in the earth, so it's direct relationship with trees and stones and mountains and rivers. Um, and so cultures, our, our ancestral cultures were either shamanic or animist, um, and some of both, but, but all the animist cultures uh, speak of the consciousness of all things, all beings, and, and really perceive that in a very direct way. And, and I find that both fascinating and really transformative. Where did it originate? Uh, gosh. That's <laughs> a tough question, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think, you know, humans, uh, our first human ancestors had to survive in really difficult conditions. And so, for example, they had to, if you had to go hunt a woolly mammoth, you needed to figure out where the woolly mammoths were. 
um, since you were walking to find them. And so I suspect that journeying kind of evolved out of that and paying attention to energy also evolved out of that. Um, the, the San people, sometimes called the Bushmen in, in Southern Africa, um, develop what they call um, a thread and then a rope and, and then a stronger and stronger visual, oral, sensory connection with everything in their environment. So a young child, a five-year-old child, already knows the sounds of the birds and uh, a bird call that tells you that a lion is near or you know all those kinds of things. And you just build up that knowledge so the whole tribe has that knowledge and awareness um, and it, it just seems natural when you, when you spend time outdoors, you, you, uh, you notice things that you don't notice when you're in your, on your computer. <laughs> yeah, and how sad that our children have been deprived of that experience at this point. You know, currently there's quite a bit of reference to frequency, energy, vibration, and spirit. Could you go over what they are? Hmm. Well, you know, I think they mean different things to different people. Um, vibration is something that I sense in my body. So there's a vibration of the wind. There's a vibration of a didgeridoo or a flute. And, and so we like actually, a mechanical wave? Well, it's a wave, but we experience it in different chakras and different parts of our body. Um, so it's it's a it's a physical and a sensory uh, kind of experience. Um, the The spirit is a term that I think, in lots of ways, we're more familiar with because in in Western religions they talk about the Holy Ghost, the spirit. Um, it's pretty abstracted in those religions, but uh, the spirit in all things to me is the consciousness in things the awareness. And, and I, like my Caro teachers, uh, my stones have consciousness and they tell me things. Uh, so that's a, but it requires my energetic awareness to listen and my, my attunement really. So, so that whatever your experience you're having has to do with your presence, as we call it in meditative circles you're you're being totally in the moment with all your senses tuned um and you you um asked me two other words and i forgot what they were that's okay i said frequency <laughs> energy vibration and spirit okay so um energy is also something that i experience and we all experience it but mostly we're unconscious of it so when uh, you walk into a room and somebody is really radiant. You notice that right away. That's an energetic uh, experience. You also notice when you walk into a room and somebody is dour or glowering or otherwise in a bad mood, uh, and you feel that in your body. So the, the wonderful thing about learning to move energy is both paying attention to it and being conscious of what you're taking in and what you're letting go of and having it flow through you. And that's a lot of what energy alchemy is. In flow the mountains is, is the yeah, question. We're going to have to pick up with flow okay, <laughs> on the sure. other side of a commercial break, but it is time for that break. So Meg and I will return shortly. Don't go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show, coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? 
Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. To stay abreast of all the wonderful information and tools we have to offer, visit our website, missionevolution.org. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and our guest this hour is Meg Beeler. Her website, MegBeeler.com. Meg, we were just about to talk about energy and flow and how it moves through us and, and why it's important to pay attention to it. So would you mind continuing there? Right. Well, I wanted to say uh, the most exciting thing that I learned in the Andes was um, the perceptual framework that people had, that there's lighter energy and heavier energy. And the whole point is to let go of the heavy energy, for example, worry or anxiety or uh, sadness, any of those labeled emotions that we have, to flow it out of you and to make space for the lighter energy of the stars and the cosmos and the mountains. And uh, that practice brings an incredible kind of flow um, into your life. And the more you do it, the more you become aware, more quickly aware of when something in your own energy is off. So, you know, I've, you know, I, I've got it, a question about oh, that. Yeah. You said, you know, moving the negative uh, um, emotions, the heavier emotions, the heavier energy, and I get that. However, isn't there also the other side of the coin that if we cling too much to our almost giddy joy, that that can be as much a distraction as our doldrums? Oh, totally. But it's not, that, that's where the flow comes in. We're always in flow. We're always in relationship. And so it's uh, even when you have an ecstatic moment, it doesn't last, I suspect, because mine certainly don't. <laughs> we can, you know, certainly some people in the culture get all interested in being light and love all the time and, and are in denial about the density. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just paying attention. So, uh, you know, say my husband is in a crummy mood and speaks harshly to me. Well, I don't want to hold that in my body. It, that's eventually going to cause illness if I keep holding those kinds of things. So the practice so of letting about... it go is just, it's just energy. It doesn't have any positive or negative. And so we're not talking about negative energy. We're just talking about dense, heavy energy. That's a big distinction. Okay. So, so you're talking about what we identify with as well, aren't you? Right. So we let it move through us, but we don't identify with it. Absolutely. That's a good okay. thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, how do we know these energies exist? I mean, we can't see them. Experience. <laughs> <laughs> no replacement uh, for it. Um, you know, like I was saying, when you see a shining bright person in the room, you feel that. Or you see somebody driving and they're smiling and you find yourself smiling. Um, you, you, you unconsciously notice, but then you can train yourself to be uh, more aware. And really, 
how did I learn? I didn't know anything about energy when I started this. Um, I practiced and I paid attention. And gradually, I realized that if I was really listening, I could experience a lot. How can your average person start to do that for themselves? Well, like I said, practice and paying attention. Um, certainly, my book is designed to help people think so about these what issues. Are you paying, do, what are you paying attention to? Are you paying attention to how your body feels? Yes, or? yes. Okay. You're paying attention to your body. You're paying attention to, well, really, you could call it a vibration. Um, when somebody around me is angry, my body gets in a different state. Uh, it feels different inside. And, and it reacts. So I, that's it's a cue to me that something is off. And then I start paying attention. Or when my heart is, when my daughter comes in the house and my heart is full and open, it's like my whole body is smiling. So those kinds of things that we, everybody really experiences it. We're just not trained to pay attention or or and or we're trained to discount it so much. Yeah, so they're like the the gut responses that a lot of the cops say, "Oh, I just I just got this gut feeling, right?" Right. And and we have those all the time. Uh something makes us sick. Uh you know, and that's not a literal thing. It 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 upsets us. So we have a lot of words that we use to indicate those those gut feelings. And and so we have them. It's just a matter of paying attention to them and honoring them and not saying, you know, I don't want to, well, like when somebody's mad, I don't want to take on their mad. I might need to talk to them, but first I have to get out of that uh, dumping of energy on me and let that go. So I'm in a clear place and then I can interact with somebody. And then, so it's really all about being in your heart. Uh, my teacher, Americo Yabar, used to say, you can't, um, you can't be mad or angry if you're in your heart. So how much of our getting mad and angry or even taking on the energies of mad and angry that are dumped our direction, how much of that has to do with our past experience versus something in the present? Oh, I'd say a whole lot. And that's another thing about awareness. The more... Um, you know, in uh, in therapy, somebody can teach you that you have a cer certain habit response. Mine, mine happens to be not feeling like I'm not enough. So I didn't even know that at first. And then I found out that I had that habit. And in the beginning, it took me days to realize it. Then it took me hours. And then it took me minutes. And now, because I've been watching it for a long time, and I don't really want to do that, I don't want to put my past onto the present moment. I pay attention and remind myself of, you know, what's in the here and now as much as I can. So you're literally re, re, refining or, or rewiring your neurological pathways Absolutely. and getting out of the ruts. Yeah. Absolutely. Very interesting. And, you know, and rewiring is, is an important part. The more you do these energy practices, the more your body automatically uh, shifts um, Eckhart Tolle talks about the pain body, but I think about the joy body um, as a, you know, a balancing parallel. The more I can be experiencing my internal joy body, the more I go through the world with an open heart and with my lightness of being, which is what many of us really want to do. Uh, the more I focus on my pain or my sad stories or what my ex-husband did to me or what my mother did to me or all that stuff that we carry around, the more we just feed it and, and keep ourselves running in the rat maze with all that stuff. So it's isn't energy it alchemy teaches you that you can get out of that. Yeah, isn't it amazing how much we uh, torture ourselves with probably misremembered happenstance from the past? Absolutely. <laughs> and the older yeah. you get, the more you realize that you and your siblings were in the same room for the same event, and you remember it totally differently. So exactly, exactly. When people talk about truth, I, I kind of roll my eyes <laughs> because it's in the eye of the beholder. It's absolutely subjective, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You speak of cosmic energy. We have a little bit of time left in this segment. Uh, would you please define that for us? Yes. Um, 
I think of cosmic energy as all the potential in the world, the, um, the vibrating energy where all is possible. And so, so that includes black holes that suck things in and includes radiant stars and all the gases. You know, there's a physical aspect that we know out in the cosmos, but the energetic of that is that there's, um, there's all this potential. And so connecting with cosmic energy or aligning with cosmic energy is a way of opening yourself to all the possibilities. And, and I do it because it's wonderful. It, it gives me a sense of union. And Does speaking of union, is cosmic energy the same thing as what people are call, now calling the unified field? Um, it's very similar. Yeah. The, there's there's really interesting and co complex definitions of uh, all the physics of that stuff, which I tried to deal with my, in my book in a simple way, but it's incredibly difficult to to take their, the scientific definitions and make them accessible to people. But the unified, well, the unified field is uh, the existence of, of everything. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a similar, um, it's a similar energy. But what I think is important is not the term so much as what we experience in our bodies and our hearts. When we have an experience of union, whether it's with a person or with the multiverse, it's transformative of our vibration, of our DNA, of our cellular structure, and of our perception of the world, all of those things. Pretty fascinating. So how, how uh, would a person align with cosmic energy? Well, the book has 84 practices that are related to that. But basically, the alignment has to do with what I was speaking of before, of releasing density and taking in lighter energy and being in a flow in yourself, being in an energetic flow. The more you're in a flow, the more you can be in resonance and alignment with something. So uh, we could talk about aligning with a tree. So I go outside to it a tree and ask permission and then I you literally I was taught literally to put my back against the tree and exchange energy with it and I'm not judging it I'm not it's not really in words it's a kind of feeling but as we do that I become more in sync with the tree and the tree becomes more in sync with me there's studies of meditators Sitting well, we're next gonna, to I'm trees. sorry, we're, we're we going to have to go. pick up on alignment in the tree yes. <laughs> on the other side of another pause. <laughs> Meg and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break, so you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. 
It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Men.com. You have heard of the X Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV. Plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, missionevolution.org, bringing leading-edge information, supporting the path to enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and we're speaking with Meg Beeler. Her website, megbeeler.com. Meg, we were talking about aligning with a tree. Um, now, you know, the little men in the white coats will show up if you talk to trees too much. So how do you align with a tree, and why do you align with a tree? Well, you, you align with a tree because it's another being and you want to know it just like you want to know your friend. Um, you might also want to align with a tree to experience uh, yourself beyond yourself. And that's one of the beautiful things of the living energy in all beings, that the more we connect with all these beings, the less alone we feel, the less separate we feel. Uh, and that's a big deal in our culture because most people feel pretty isolated. But anyway, I was talking about how, how to align with the tree, asking permission and putting your back to the tree and exchanging energy. So you start by just receiving whatever the tree has to offer and then pretty quickly you switch and let the tree take um, whatever you have to offer. You might get a message, you might just get a feeling in your body, uh, you, you might just something like feeling more calm, but you also have then this this substantive connection with this other being which you can uh, renew and, and grow just like you would with a friend. I was going to say there was a study some time ago where experienced meditators sat next to trees and they had very sensitive microphones and the tree sap actually modified to come into alignment with the breathing of the meditators. That's, that's amazing. That it's really, I find it I really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And another one they've studied more recently, I forget the names of the people, but, but they understand much more about how trees send information and energy through their roots. If there's a tree nearby that isn't getting enough water, they'll send water or nutrients. And the mycelium helps with that, you know, all the underground filaments, just like there's filaments connecting universe to universe in the multiverse there's filaments connecting tree roots and all the beings underground and they communicate with each other so if they're communicating with each other uh just because uh the the church said 400 years ago that nature was separate from us and that we were better doesn't mean that that's true Um, we sure have ended up isolated haven't we yes absolutely let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about 
energy anatomy. Like, how do we anchor and channel this energy we've been talking about? Um, you know, I don't anchor it so much as let it flow through me. Because I want to be in, in the flow. I want to be in the river of being. And if I'm, my energy is flowing, then I'm much more able to be present. And that's, of course, not just me, but my students. Um, you anchor yourself, of course, with your roots. You, you open your crown to the cosmos. But in one of my most favorite practices that I developed many years ago, the Earth Cosmos Meditation, you bring the earth energy into your heart and send it out into the cosmos and then vice versa. And, and so your heart is, the heart becomes the anchor. That's the answer to your question. Yeah, actually what, what I was acting, um, what I was asking about was what part of the, uh, energy body, our energy body, whether it's our chakras, our meridians, um, what part is responsible for this flow of energy? Hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but my guess is that our, um, our intent is what, so, so related to our consciousness, our intent is what is responsible for the flow. I mean, we can be flowing and not know it, but if we're, have the intent to flow and, and be in alignment, then that feeds the possibilities for it. Well, I can, I don't think it's not. I can, intend to, I can intend to get up and walk across the room, but if I don't have legs or don't engage them, then I don't walk across the room. I was just kind of wondering, what, what is, where is it anchored in our body? Where does it flow through our body? So we're, our, our bodies have an energy field. So we have our physical body. We have the locus of our chakras, we have in the Andes, they talk about the three bands, which I like better because it's more simple. But, but around us, we have an aura or energy field. And all of that is a part of us. So there's not, we think of our bodies as, as you know, they look discreet, they feel discreet, but we're really part of this energy field. And our energy field is, is interacting with everybody else's energy field and all the energy fields of the animals and the birds and everything all the time. So, so what we're generates, really interconnected. Do we, do we really, generate do we generate the energy field or do we collect it from outside of ourselves? From well, the both. cosmic energy. We both. It's it's a flow. I mean our separation is comes from the fact that we're closing ourselves in and, and protecting ourselves, like putting a big old shield around us because we're so barraged by so much stuff. But if you learn to let the density go and you know, you, it's not that you don't feel compassion for the, the suffering people of the latest bombing or mass shooting. You do feel compassion, but you don't hold it in your body. You don't let it um, become like a, you know, big black blob inside you. So does, does this actually distort our energy field that you were talking about in our auric fields? What, the, the density? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Uh, everybody who works with energy understands that illness happens first in the, in the etheric, in the energy body. And if it doesn't get dealt with, it comes into the physical body and then it manifests as illness. So you're saying that our, if our uh, energy body becomes ill, then it steps down and we become physically ill. It doesn't move the other direction as above, so below? Well, we can also become healthier if our energy... Uh, I worked for, for a number of years with a practice called um, Transmutation with Sandra Ingerman, and we used a GDV, uh, sometimes called a Carillion camera, to take pictures of people before and after this practice of really becoming your essence. And, and um, the, the pictures of people's energy body, were the camera shows... Uh, shows it in kind of colors, and, and a, a unified energy body is pretty soft and even on the outside. A yeah, jagged I mean, I've energy seen, I've body. Seen, yeah, I've seen some of those cameras at New Age shows and stuff. Is there any scientific proof behind them? 
Well, some people say yes and some people say no. I mean, I've seen a lot of pictures of different things and of different people and the, the images made sense with what I perceived about the people. That's all I can say. You know, the Russians use them a lot and some people really believe in them and lots of scientists don't believe in them. But the, it's like many uh, scientific inquiries, there's uh, differences of opinion. But, so have there been you know, studies done or is it just a matter of belief? Oh, no, there's many studies. Uh, but in these pictures, there'll be, if there's a, you know, some sort of blockage in the energy field that will manifest as a really jagged or open place where there's no, uh, if you imagine a rainbow around a person, then there's a big hole and the rainbow doesn't even go to that part. Oh, and so there's a certain amount of interpretation um, of what you're seeing in the picture involved. Um, well, it's, yeah, it's a visual interpretation. Um, we talk about this, you know, if you go to an acupuncturist uh, and you have a lot of lung problems, that's commonly attributed to sadness or grief that's held in your body. So there's different ways of looking at the density. Um, so now an acupuncturist works on the meridians and the pressure points and stuff that uh, has to do with energy flow in the body. Is that how they affect a change to remove the sadness? Well, they, they're working with alignment and flow. They're trying to get the energy flowing through the body. And it's not just the physical body. A really good acupuncturist also works with the, uh, the energy outside the body. You, you know, there's some... Uh, I've had the experience of some treatments where uh, my energy flow is totally open to the cosmos. And I'm just lying there and they're working the meridians. Right. Well, they'll work with Kyo and Jitsu, which is kind of like uh, what you're talking about, joy and sorrow, either too charged or too neutral. I mean, too slow or uh, diminished um, and bring balance back. So it sounds like the same thing. Mm -hmm. There's many, many different ways of working with energy. And I believe all of them are valid. It's what what you resonate with, what you're drawn to is a practice. It's what's important. And doing the practice is what's important. Um, I never had a lot of money to go to healers, so I was pretty intent on uh, learning to do things for myself as much as I could and do them regularly. So every morning in my, you know, I stretch my body before I get up and I meditate and I connect with what I call my wellspring. It's a, it's a rushing body of water that I see that was gifted to me actually in a shamanic journey. And I draw that into my belly and into my heart and into my third eye and align with that water and flow before I get out of bed. That's a way of, of uh, starting my day in a, in a flow. And that doesn't mean that I stay flowing all day, but I try. It's a moving target, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're going to have to take another commercial break. On the other side, though, I'd like, Meg, uh, to talk about uh, how we engage our imagination to help set our intent and stay in the flow. So if you're willing to work with that, cool. we'll play with yes. it on the other side. <laughs> okay. But we do need to take another break. Meg and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net. You stay right there. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, 
go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Christopher Fulton is a survivor of the national security state. All he wanted to do was preserve history when he acquired a Cartier watch from the estate of President Kennedy's personal secretary. But that simple act set off a terrible chain reaction. He was pursued by the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI, thrust into the middle of the U.S. government's Assassination Records Review Board, even monitored and pursued by the Russian government. All because that Cartier watch was the missing link of evidence, a timepiece worn by JFK that fateful day in Dallas, a link resulting in Christopher being incarcerated and attacked for nine years because he opened a hidden chapter in history. The intriguing journey outlined fully in Christopher Fulton's memoir, The Inheritance, is available now through trinday.com or amazon.com. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination by Christopher and Michelle Fulton is a must-read, an incredible tale of how easily our own government can overrule justice. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiyaka. I always love to hear from my listeners. Email me at info at missionevolution.org and suggest a topic or a guest that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Our special guest this hour is Meg Beeler. Her website, megbeeler.com. Meg, as promised, let's, let's dance a little bit with uh, imagination or envisioning as it relates to moving energy. Oh, yes, it's a wonderful, um, I use visualization a lot in in my meditations and in my teaching uh, because as soon as you see something, for example, I like to see, um, I have a picture in my mind of the filaments that connect the multiverses. They've actually, uh, the astronomers have actually understood that all the, each universe is connected with these filaments, and it's a really beautiful image. What so, is a filament? Uh, a filament is a, say, a thread of light or a thread of connection, yeah. both. So you can have a small filament or a large one, but using the idea of a filament of connection with between me and you, between our hearts, or between me and the multiverse, I like to visualize the images that I have and connect my heart to them. I like to visualize the, the places I've been, you know, mountains I've walked on, hikes I've taken in my meditations because that connects me, those visualizations connect me very deeply with the, the physical experience I've had. And so they, they augment each other. Is there also a way that by visualizing a place that you can literally um, reconnect with it in the moment? Oh, totally. And that's, you know, it's another aspect of getting out of your feeling of separation and feeling connected with the larger world. So does that relate to bilocation? um, Indirectly, yes. I am not somebody who I've occasionally seen my teachers in places where they weren't necessarily physically, (laughs) but that's not one of my really strong points. But, um, and and in fact, in shamanic journeying, we learn not to leave our bodies. We're traveling, but we're not separating. So shamanic journeying is another way of using imagination. Um, it's it's far more than that, but when you start learning journeying, uh, whatever your experiences are, feed what you see. I was in my very first journey class. I was with a Welsh woman who had all kinds of kings and castles and sort of amazing things because she'd grown up in Wales. <laughs> None of the rest of us had kings and castles in our journeys, so it was so, a really good lesson. <laughs> so are, are those actually just metaphors to make sense of the energy that we're perceiving? Yes, yes. Yeah, th- I think that's one of the largest misunderstandings of the old shamanic way is people speak of the demons and the devils and the angels and the this and the that as if they're literal, um, which kind of lends it to um, invalidating the shamanic experience, doesn't it? Yeah, and it it helps to be, when I work with my power animal, I see my power animal. 
the animal is very physical. I feel him. I feel the fur. I might ride the power animal or I might run alongside the power animal. And that physicality helps me open my senses to the experience. By see, do you mean literally see it walk into the room or in vision? Uh, in vision. Okay. Okay. Now, are you kinesthetic pretty much? Uh, yes. So everybody kind of can um, have a, a default that they might feel one person yes, might feel, what, the other might hear. Absolutely. And nothing is better than the, no sense is better than the other one. So that was in Journeying 101, they teach you, use the senses that are strongest for you. It might be seeing, it might be oral, it might be, and over time you develop the other ones. I was very frustrated when I first journeyed because I could see a lot, but my uh, teachers and, and guides didn't talk to me at all. And so, you know, my teachers, my human teachers would talk about their 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 guides having conversations and I was a little envious. But over time, then they started talking to me. Would you mind backing up a little bit and uh, <laughs> defining what, what is a journey for those of us that may not know? So a journey is um, an intentional um journey with a guide, sometimes called a power animal, sometimes called a teacher, some pe uh, where you, you have a question and the guide takes you to show you or tell you the answer to the question. How so, do you find the guide? Uh, you can ask for a guide. Someone else can find, bring back a power animal. Our first power animal is usually an animal that we've we're familiar with already, we've known or liked as a child, for example. Um, so they, uh, and if somebody gives you a power animal, then you start to make a relationship with it. You, you kind of ask it what it likes to do, why it came to you, uh, what it has to teach you, you know, just like you would a human friend. So you so make how, how do they give it to you? Well, when I, if I were to do a journey for you and I would ask if there's a power animal that wants to come, I see the animal, I bring it back, I blow it into you, and then I tell you about it, and then you go off and try to make a relationship with it. And it's, it it's a lot easier than it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do you mean by blow it into me? Uh, literally, um, when we bring back a gift to somebody in, sh in the shamanic world, we blow it into your heart and into your crown, and we rattle around you to, to seal it. You mean like with your physical breath? Yes, physical breath. You know, Sound, breath Sounds life. pretty intimate, huh? Breath is life, and breath carries uh, the, the energy of, in this case, the power animal. And, of course, you always ask some, you know, if somebody doesn't want to be touched, you don't touch them. But, so you're very sensitive to that. But um, So once the again, breath, is, is you're the receiving, power... I just let me finish this. You're, you sense it, and you can feel it in your body in some way so that's the beginning of your energy awareness of what this power animal gift is for you so is the power animal also a metaphor um it's a metaphor and not a metaphor mine are very very vivid for me now they they accompany me when i'm you know i was on a vision quest years ago in haleakala and walking out after four days of fasting up this very steep hill in the heat, and I began walking as my power animal to get up the hill. Yeah. Literally moving like my power animal. In some cultures, uh, like in Nepal, for example, people will be, the, the shamans are taken over by spirit, so they become somebody else. And it depends on the culture what they become. You know, there's a lot of gods and goddesses in that culture that you would become less so they don't you have power animals so much. In other cultures, it's not so strong that, that the shaman's taken over. But if you see a film, somebody, the assistant is standing behind the shaman so they don't fall over into the fire. They can catch them because they're totally transformed into this other being. So is it a form of shape-shifting or a form of possession? Um, so it can be either. There's also a, there's also a thing that we do called merging, where you you literally merge with, uh, with one of your helpers and experience the world through their eyes. Is like is that like an empathy of sorts? Um, it's well, it's more than just empathy. It's an 
you know, you're walking through the forest as your jaguar and you're you're moving like your jaguar and you're seeing the way the jaguar sees, which is much different than the way the human sees. You know, let's change gears just a little bit because we're almost out of time. Um, is uh, what is the heart of the universe? You speak of that. Yes. Well, the heart of our universe is a live vibrating energy and it's a sea of potential. And we are the universe and the universe is us. Both things are true. So it's a void that's empty but full of possibility and it communicates with us across space and time or outside space and time, you might say. Like the universe um, and the stars, we're made of the same elements. So some cultures say we come from the stars and I really like that. Uh, like the universe, uh, I mean, like us, the universe is alive and vibrating and interconnected with all its parts. Um, How do you see our concept of reality shifting as we consciously work with our personal energy? I hope our perception of reality shifts so we understand that we're interconnected, that we're we're interbeing with all the other species we share this the planet with and I hope that our consciousness shifts in the way to open our hearts and really be in that space together many years ago I was in a deep meditation and I saw all seven billion people in the world meditating together and I came out of that meditation and realized that there weren't seven billion people on the planet at the time (laughs) So it was a thing in the future, but I really, I love that image. It, it I, I don't let myself think, oh, that's not possible. It'll never happen, blah, blah, blah. I just use that image with my imagination to to think about, so how can we shift our consciousness to do this? It is a beautiful image. You know, as always, time has flown, and Meg, now we're out of it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. It was wonderful to talk with you. And, and of course, we could have gone on. You <laughs> <laughs> could. Our guest this hour has been Meg Beeler, the creator of Energy Alchemy and the author of Weave the Heart of the Universe into Your Life, Aligning with Cosmic Energy. Her website, megbeeler.com. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Wilda on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as the mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? 
The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. <laughs> 